Hello and welcome to the Canola Watch podcast. My name is Jay Wetter and this podcast on 10 tips to control cleavers was recorded live at Farm Tech in Edmonton. With me are Tom Wolf with Agrimetrics, Ian Epp with the Canola Council. All right, so the first of the top 10 is Scout Ian. Um, I guess it's something we talk about a lot, scouting, and maybe it's a bit boring, maybe farmers are tired of hearing that message, but scouting is still the cheapest, the simplest thing you can do to have an idea of what's in your field. There's no point in, you know, devising some sort of management plan or spending money on products or changing anything if you don't know what's in your field. So probably maybe a bit of a boring topic, but a good starting point for any list of how to deal with any weeds or any problems in your field. When it comes to cleavers, sorry Tom, I jumped in ahead of you, but is there, do they tend to be in patches or like where, will they be everywhere? Is there some, something about cleavers in particular when you're scouting? Uh, probably the best thing with cleavers, so cleavers can be a summer annual or a winter annual. So scouting them in fall when they come up and dealing with fall ones in fall is a really important thing. So that's just as far as timing. And then cleavers, because so we have some good herbicides, but because they only work at small stages in general with cleavers, uh, scouting there early, so getting in there fairly quick in spring and right after your seed when the cleaver, when your canola or whatever crop is coming up, getting in there early, that's probably the timing of the scouting is fairly important. By the time you have fairly large cleavers that are noticeable from a disc quite a ways away, they might be too big or they'll be really hard to control. Yeah, and while you're out there, uh, you know, have a look around what else there is. Uh, you might be looking for other weeds that might uh, have a, a certain spray quality requirement. You know, cleavers having fairly finely divided leaves uh, does require a bit of a finer spray. And so do grassy weeds, for example. And there's some broadleaf weeds that don't. So we, we just want to know what's out there and also where they are. Are they hiding under some leaves of, some, uh, of a canopy, perhaps? Maybe a little harder to reach? So those are some of the other things to watch for. All right, number two, control winter annual cleavers in the fall. Now, Ian, you talked a bit about that in the scouting bit, but is there something more that you'd add to that one? I, again, just with staging, the timing is important, and some of these winter annuals, if we don't control them in the fall, and the fall is a great time to control them. They're small, they're fairly susceptible. Um, by the time, if they do overwinter, by the time we're trying to control them in a pre-burn situation, sometimes the staging, it mostly comes down to staging, they're really large, they're sometimes harder to control. And if we don't properly control them in our pre-burn with higher rates of glyphosate or tank mix partners, once we get into end crop, they're almost impossible to control, because just because they're so large and advanced. And those are the ones that have a serious uh, yield impact on whatever crop we're growing. In the fall, of course, then you also have trash that you have to look at in terms of how much water do I need to get through that trash and, and hit the weeds. I'll probably uh, have a little bit more time in the fall to spray in some cases. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, the list of things to spray isn't quite as, as big and the staging is maybe not as crucial as in-crop. So you could maybe slow down a bit and get some additional penetration advantages that way. Fall can be a fairly broad window. Are we talking you know right before freeze up or right after harvest or when's the good time i guess with fall being you're right a very vague term depending on when you've taken off your crop what kind of fall we have it goes back to scouting a quick turn through your field what are there weeds germinating there's no point in a fall application of anything if the cleavers haven't germinated or whatever winter annuals we're looking at controlling so just looking at the staging or do we have a good flush of winter annuals that have come up that's probably the most important thing is just get out and look in your field all right, number three, use adequate rates and add tank mix partners to spring burnoff. 
I, and I guess this this is a really important topic for a few reasons. Um, first, we have some really good tank mix partners to add to our glyphosate, depending on what crop we're controlling. With canola, there isn't a lot of options to control cleavers to tank mix with glyphosate before canola. But in our cereals, we have several modes of action, quite a few products, which improve our cleaver control and in addition actually reduce our selection pressure for glyphosate resistance, which is a fairly large concern. Yeah, it's nice to have that rotational option in wheat because you, as, as Ian said, uh, a lot more options. The one thing I'd, I'd again watch for is just to pay attention. Most of those are uh, going to be contact modes of action, very likely. So they're going to be a little bit more sensitive to the to the water volume and droplet size issue again. Uh, and this is just a question for you, Tom. So glyphosate we know works at lower water volumes, especially in a pre-burn situation often. If you're tank mixing, let's say, a group 14 or some of these other con more contact-like ones, what would you do with the water rate? Because we're balancing two very different types of action, modes of action. That's right, and in the unique case here of a group 9, glyphosate in group 14, like heat or, or carfentrazone uh, clean start, you're dealing with the exact opposite kind of response. Uh, you've got to pay attention to the most limiting factors. So you want the, the contact, the group 14, group 6 tank mix partner to work well. So you've got to uh, increase your water volume there. You may take a, a performance hit on the glyphosate, especially if you have hard water. Uh, and uh, the best way to really control that is by uh, testing your water, making sure that you are aware that you might have that hit, and then taking some corrective action, such as adding ammonium sulfate. All right, number four is prioritize cleavers control in cereals, which you, you guys have covered quite well already. Um, but is there more to that one, Ian? Um, the only thing is, I don't know, guys, some producers aren't always aware which products, not all in-crop cereal herbicides for broadleafs are good on cleavers. There's a wide range, and some of that can be just staging. Certain products, Phloxpear is a classic one. Probably it's heavily used, but it controls it at a really large advanced staging, up to I think the eight whirl stage. Um, certain products are only good the two to three whirl stage, and some products, if we take a classic MCPA and uh, Promoxin, so Buckdoral M, good on a lot of weeds, very poor on cleavers. So just looking in your field, if, if you do have a cleaver problem, you're growing a lot of canola in your rotation, take the time in your cereals. You can really hit the cleavers hard in crop in our cereals without taking a hit in any of our other weed performance. And reducing the weed population in our cereals will have subsequent effects in our canola in years down the road. Well, that's a good point about, I mean, just because just it has cleavers on the label doesn't, you, I mean, you mentioned the size, the whorl size, the number of whorls, I should say, but I mean, some products have two to four, some are up to eight, so it's good to know the stage of the cleavers in the crop and what the product has in yeah. terms of staging. Yeah. You can get away with a wide variety of products if the cleavers are fairly small, you're, maybe you're spraying earlier, your cleavers happen to be germinating later. If you happen to have some cleavers that have escaped or maybe your pre-burn wasn't fully successful, there are certain products that do a better job later in the growing season. Okay, number five is avoid uncompetitive crops with poor control options. So I guess if you've got a field where you know you've got a cleavers problem, maybe there are certain crops you just shouldn't, uh, shouldn't be going with. I guess with cleavers, group two resistance is a concern. It's a huge concern across Western Canada. We have a high popular, or it's pretty common to have group two resistant cleavers, especially with guys that have a history of growing pulses. And there isn't a lot of options in pulses for cleaver control. So if you have group two resistant cleavers, it's just something you need to manage and be aware of. And especially when you're adding either tank mix partners to glyphosate or other in-crop ones, group, group twos may be something to avoid then. What about flax? 
cleavers and flax? Flax is a really tough one. There is basically no control options for cleavers and flax. So not that you can't grow flax, but just managing it appropriately the year before, making sure you're killing everything in your pre-burn, maybe picking a cleaner field or working that into your rotation. Yeah. A little more consideration there. I do sometimes hear from clients who say, you know, I'm in a difficult situation here. I've got to get this weed out of this crop. It's not, not a competitive crop. I want to do the best possible job spraying. And, you know, I, I have to break the bad news to them. And that is basically, look, uh, you're not going to rescue a basic agronomic situation like a non-competitive crop and not a lot of herbicide options with an excellent application. That's not going to bring that back <laughs> yeah. in your favor. So uh, kudos to you for wanting to do it. But, uh, you know, the, the basic agronomy still, still trumps just about everything else. I, I guess that's the one fact if you really want to grow flax or pulse and you have some issues with cleavers, there's a, there is a wide variety of cultural control methods which aren't a replacement for really good control but can help upping your seeding rate, timely seeding. There's a few, a lot of these small things which can make your crop slightly more competitive. Avoid, a, this is number six, avoid applying group twos by themselves. You talked about that being a factor with a pulse crop. Uh, it mostly comes down to resistance. Yeah. Um, group 2s do work well. If you don't have group 2 resistant cleavers, group 2s are really effective. But we know they're really prone to resistance across Western Canada, so something to consider. And we are hearing more and more from the uh, the herbicide resistance specialists that a tank mix with an effective mode of action in that tank mix against the weed you're controlling is superior in terms of fighting resistance development than rotating herbicides from year to year or crop to crop. So the in-crop tank mix has to address the weed uh, issue that's present right now. Yeah, a proactive report, uh, approach is really good, and we do have, there is a small population of cleavers in Alberta that is group 2 and group 4 resistant, cross-resistant. So we do have some cross-resistance. That population is pretty narrow and hasn't spread a lot, but to consider cleavers are prone to resistance, so anything we can do proactively is really important. Alright, number 7, consider winter cereals and perennial forages uh, to reduce cleavers populations. I guess maybe not common with a lot of producers and requires a lot more management and a lot of more time decisions, but if cleavers are a significant problem or if certain weeds are just getting away, rotation, longer rotations which drive down populations, re reduce the return to the seed bank over the long term can be a really important benefit and something, especially if herb with herbicide resistance, a growing problem. One of those cultural control things that if you can work it into rotation is really, really good. It's always amazing to me when I go on the field days, you know, and I hear some of the cultural options, the crop rotation options, that is really our most powerful agronomic tool, isn't it? We see such dramatic numbers in, of not, not just cleavers, but wild oats in particular, and their response to, to short-term forages. They, <laughs> that, that rotation really suppresses those numbers very effectively. So I we always have to be reminded of, of, uh, of what that tool is. It, it really comes down to selection pressure. And the vast majority of our crops are all summer annuals. We've selected for weeds that fit well in that life cycle. So anything we can do to break out of that life cycle, even in the short term, even for a year here, and just very sporadic throughout rotation, can really break the cycle for weeds. All right, number eight, increased seeding rates, which Ian, you talked about already in your uh, integrated weed management planning. But <laughs> let's emphasize it again, number eight. I guess I'll just talk maybe a little broader on cultural control, like Tom mentioned. They are, herbicides haven't been around all that long, and we have, they're a really, really important tool, but they can't be the only tool. Selection pressure, it all comes down to numbers. Anything we can do to re reduce selection pressure will extend the life of our herbicides. So upping our seeding rates, um, changing our seeding timings, uh, row spacing, all of these things on themselves 
make a small difference, but over, if you can add a few of these cultural controls together, you can really reduce and make your herbicide work better, which maybe opens, maybe makes your window for herbicide application a little larger. Maybe, you know, if certain conditions aren't quite right, you can get away with it because you've done these other factors which limit the risk. You're limiting the risk put on your herbicide. Absolutely. All right, number nine is, uh, so if you've got cleavers in a canola crop, how do we optimize the uh, performance of, of our option crop of products in within canola? So similar to two of these, and I guess Tom's an expert on how we maximize some of our application parts, but just again, staging, scouting, knowing what weeds you have and staging, make sure you're getting there at the right time. Cleavers can be controlled in canola, but the staging window is fairly narrow. We might have to get in there earlier than we want for some other weeds, but we have to remember that our yield is really influenced by weeds early in the season. That critical period of weed control is quite early. Luckily, with a few of our uh, herbicide options, we can go in twice. So if we do happen to have a flush of weeds that comes in just after, because we've applied early for cleavers, we do have options to go twice, but getting there early is really important. And, and again, just paying attention to the, uh, the basically the size of the leaf and, so, and those kinds of things. Uh, we have a, a pretty difficult target. Yeah. And so we do have to be mindful of, uh, of uh, spraying the right spray quality. The best tool really is, is your travel speed because that is linked to your spray pressure through your weight controller. So I, I often tell guys you, should, uh, you shouldn't drive 10 or 12 miles per hour, but you should drive 60 or 70 pounds per square inch because that's that's what's actually important. So if you have weeds like cleavers, little tiny leaves, finer sprays are appropriate, you will just simply use your existing nozzle and drive a little faster with it. And that'll push the pressure to the higher range, it'll make the spray a little finer, and that's, that's how you're gonna target those. If you don't have cleavers and more broadleaf weeds or maybe a more systemic modes of action, you can slow down a little bit, protect yourself from drift a little better, and really uh, not have to change any nozzle at all. All right, so yeah, I mean, cleavers are a broadleaf quote unquote, but I mean, that's a pretty narrow little leaf we're talking about. It's a narrow little leaf. It's notoriously difficult to wet. And those are the two prime examples of, uh, of, of targets requiring finer sprays. Yeah. And that, so that to emphasize that 60 to 70 PSI, that's, that's a good... For an air induction tip, yes. I mean, we're basically making the assumption and the recommendation that everyone should be using an air induction tip. And those tips are a two-stage tip. So the pressure you're reading uh, on the pressure gauge really is uh, quite a bit higher than the actual spray pressure. So you don't know what that spray pressure is, but it's probably half or less of your gauge pressure. So a lot of guys are seeing 60, 70, 80 PSI, and they're going, you're crazy, that's way too high. But actually what's coming out of the exit tip is probably 30, 40, 50. Hmm. So it's actually a very reasonable pressure. Uh, and yeah, you don't be afraid of spraying in high pressures if that's uh, what your read requires. This is just an aside, but I mean, I, the last time I saw you do a presentation, Tom, you talked about adding a second gauge. What was it about? Because that's, that's what you were just saying about the pressure in one gauge maybe isn't really what's happening down on the boom. Yeah, that's true. Most sprayers do have uh, the gauge or the pressure sensor somewhere near the pump before the boom sections. And that's, there's a very good reason for that. Uh, you want to make sure you always read the pressure even if some sections are off. The problem is that after that gauge uh, or pressure sensor, you have a lot of dividing of lines, you have, you have valves and elbows, uh, you have solenoids possibly, and those all create pressure drop. Distance of lines, diameter of lines, it's friction. 
So in fact, when you're reading 40 or 50 PSI and you gauge, you might only be spraying at 30 or 40 at the nozzle. And you ought to know what that pressure drop is and mm. simply add it to your expected gauge pressure or your, your reading yeah. in the cab. So you just simply fashion yourself a little portable uh, pressure gauge that, that screws onto your nozzle turret and you just put it on and say, well, it looks like I'm spraying at X and my cab says I'm spraying at Y. Subtract X from Y, that's your pressure drop. So it might be 5 PSI. Yeah. In other words, if your target pressure is 45, you should really be setting your gauge to 50. Right. Which is important for, uh, in particular, for a weed like cleavers where, I mean, the Where harder pressure hit. can make a big difference yeah. uh, in terms of producing the right spray, yeah. Okay, so our 10th is something that we've mentioned now two or three times probably. But it's so important in, in weed management is, is getting out there and spraying early, trying to get them when they're, when they're smaller. So yep. this is your chance, Ian, to re-emphasize the spray early. <laughs> we just know that some weeds scouting, well, scouting is also an, is always important. Staging, knowing your weeds is always important. Both cleavers, because we're dealing with a narrow window, it's just that much more important. We have a narrow window, we can control them well, but we need to be out there at the right time. And I guess just jumping off what Tom was saying, some of these things, making sure our pressure is right, all these small things, these are some of the most, the easiest and most economical things you can do on your farm to make efficacy higher. If cleavers are a big concern, a second application, different herbicides, they are, they're good, but they cost money. Making sure you're optimizing the ones you have is probably the best place to start before you add more into your rotation. Yeah, I like that message. You know, and on the optimizing front, we really haven't talked about water volume. Some guys are saying, you know, I really can't afford to go to a very fine spray because of drift risk. I want to be able to spray at the right time, which is also very important. A surrogate for, for droplet size in terms of coverage is water volume. You can add water and get similar kinds of coverage at a, at a closer spray quality. So you protect yourself from drift risk, you open the window a little bit, uh, and you still get the coverage you need to Right, so in this case, I mean, maybe not the ideal droplet size, but you're getting that early application which trumps in a way trumps the your your ideal droplet size. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you are making certain amount number of compromises and substitutions. Uh, the bottom line is that you know if you have a finer spray and you have that drift risk and you want to go coarser, you should probably also add water when you go coarser just to keep things level. Good. Thanks, guys. My guests were Tom Wolf and Ian Epp recorded live at FarmTech, hence the background noise. For more on Cleaver's management, go to canolawatch.org and search for Cleaver's under the weeds heading. For Canola Watch Podcast, I'm Jay Wetter. Thanks for listening.